Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And a very, very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners here on Kevin's Corner. Happy Thanksgiving to Joey Molinaro as well. You too, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Thanksgiving edition. Uh, Just one podcast this week with the Colts having a short week last week and a little bit of a longer week this week. We will combine our normal two podcasts into one today. A little bit of a newsier podcast than maybe I would have thought 48 hours ago, but Welcome to life in the NFL, and um, we'll certainly hit on the Eric Ebron fishiness, in my opinion. Is that okay? That's what you're calling it. That's what I'm going to call it. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, obviously, got to hit on the vertical passing game. You know, so much talk on Frank Reich's philosophical belief and Jacoby Brissett and the wide receiver injuries, and I kind of want to break down that a little bit more and I guess Chris Ballard was a busy man this weekend Joey um my my Twitter mentions were blowing up with a visit that he made to a certain college to watch a certain quarterback and so we'll certainly hit on that a little bit later but um let's first kind of recap the weekend that was Mm -hmm. and obviously the Colts didn't play your Steelers didn't help them out Mm -hmm. um as I look at this playoff picture I mean, it seems like Buffalo's got one of those spots locked up. Is that crazy? No, because they're already at what eight and three, eight and three, kind of full two games up. Yeah, and I guess I mainly when I when I talk about it, I kind of talk about these things from the Colts standpoint. And as you dive deeper into, this, into the playoff scenarios, it's really hard for me to find the Colts having a head-to-head tiebreaker over any team that they're going to be in the mix with. Maybe Tennessee. Obviously, if you beat Tennessee this weekend, you'd have the you know season sweep of the Titans. But you've obviously lost head-to-head to the Steelers. You've lost head-to-head to the Raiders. The Bills, I think since you didn't play them, the tiebreaker would be conference games, and that's not in the Colts' favor at all. And same thing with the Houston Texans. You know, seemingly if you tied you know, head-to-head and in the division, it would go to common games and conference games. So basically what I'm getting at is, the Colts need to finish with a better record than pretty much all the teams that they're around with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a major question right now as you enter the final five weeks. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the Bills' schedule, like you said, they're 8-3. and three. They do uh, have a tough close, don't they? That's what I was about to say. So they have the Cowboys, obviously, in Dallas on Thursday for Thanksgiving. Then they have the Ravens at home. And I mean, we saw what happened oh on gosh. Monday night. I mean, apparently nobody's going to beat the Ravens again this year. And then they have Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, huge for game, a big wild card matchup there, uh, and then they got to go to New England, the second to last week of the season. Yeah, so and New England could still be playing for a bye, you know, correct. with with Baltimore, or I, I I should say the number one overall seed at that point. Basically, how I kind of look at it is this: I think the Colts have to win four out of their final five to get in, so that would put them at ten wins, and I think ten wins will be enough. Nine and seven, and then you start messing around with tiebreakers. I, uh, that's a risky game that I don't think anyone wants to play. No, um, because that's the reason why they're not in the wild card spot right now. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, ha- having said all that, 
I really don't trust a lot of these teams. And I feel like the Colts are going to have an opportunity to where they will get help. I think they will get enough help that if they go 4-1, and one, they will get in. Now, to go 3-2 and two and still get in, you need lots and lots of help. Um, and I think they're going to get a good amount of help. Is it enough to go 3-2? and two? That's that's playing with fire a bit, and the Colts have already played with a lot of fire this season. Uh, having said all that, Joey, basically Sunday is a virtual must-win. I mean, if you don't beat the Titans, because yeah. when you start breaking things down, the tiebreakers, we talk conference games, we talk divisional games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they mean more than, all the games mean a lot right now, but those games mean even more. So if you look at any sort of playoff odds, if you win on Sunday, some playoff odds still put it as you know a nice coin flip to make the playoffs. You lose, it drops like 10%. And the it's draft- a lower percentage after that loss in Houston, too. Right. I mean, we've been over that. That dropped what at, you know significantly from the Thursday night loss. So you lose on Sunday, and the draft questions we already are starting to get, we're going to get a lot, lot more of those. And what to make of the Titans? We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Yeah, before we get into like you mentioned, a certain school, a certain quarterback that uh, a certain GM from around here was out taking a look at. Apparently, let's get into what happened that we all woke up to on Monday morning, yesterday morning, was the news about Eric Ebron going on injured reserve yes um i was very surprised joey you know when i see the ian Rapport tweet i'm thinking to myself okay ankle issues yeah i guess ebron has been a little bit banged up and certainly he was really banged up last year i remember that one game he had like four different injury parts or body parts on the injury report um so i get in the studio because i'm i'm co-hosting in the morning a decent amount right now and so I get in here about 6 o'clock, and I'm like, wait a minute. Eric Ebron's barely been on the injury report this year. Barely been on the injury report. He has missed one practice all season long due to an ankle injury. Hmm. One. That was Pittsburgh week, I believe the Thursday practice of that week. So I was like, man, that is really weird. Um Eric Ebron clearly has not been hurt enough for this ankle even to be on the injury report. Like, you see 10 guys on the injury report every week. Eric Ebron's been on it once due to this ankle, and that was for one day. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, that's really weird. And then I think back to the Houston game, I'm like, he was definitely on the field on the final drive. When Frank Reich mentioned injuries after the game, Ebron was never on that list. It's just, it doesn't add up to me, to be honest. Um is it like Vontae Davis confusing? No, but it's it's a bit odd. And I think what made it really odd, honestly, was hearing Frank Reich's answer um, yesterday on the conference call. Um, we're going to play the clip right here. And basically, the, the question is, um, did you consider rest for Ebron? You know, is this kind of a one or two weeks sort of could you put him on the, the inactive list for for a couple weeks and reassess things in early December and honestly I think Frank Reich's answer or non-answer says it all uh, you know we talked to Eric through it I mean this is the this is the decision that that Eric you know he just felt like he was out of position with how it was feeling to him that this is what he had to do you know I, that says a lot to me Joey um you know, Frank Reich later in that conference call is just offering so much praise for T.Y. Hilton for playing through it, you know, an injury, not being at 100%, all this stuff. Like, 
wouldn't Frank Reich be really hyping Eric Ebron up if he was like, man, he's played through so much stuff this right. year, and and I, I you know, I, I I'm never in the business of calling NFL players soft or anything like that because what they do is pretty incredible, and obviously, you would hope that Eric Ebron is significantly hurt to go on injured reserve, but making the sacrifices to play the game of football and you think about tight end and you look at what George Kittle's going through right now, it just, that answer to me is just kind of like, was this a business decision? Mm. It was it. Um, I think it's a fair question to ask. And I know some Eric Ebron backers might be like, you're a, you're an idiot and You've never played football. How could you ever question anyone that's a, yeah. Okay, look. Just the contrasting between, like you said, the T.Y. Hilton answer and that is just, you know, cause for a question. I mean, when Frank Wright goes there, that's kind of <laughs> – Frank Wright usually doesn't even go there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it was just a very interesting answer. And then you added up to all these things. His wife has been in Houston for well over, I think, the past month now. That's their off-season home. You know, it just – Obviously, he wasn't happy with his playing time a few weeks ago. Like, he's going to be a free agent in 2020. Does he want to continue to play on any sort of bum ankle and potentially kind of risk how he looks to other teams? Mm -hmm. I I just think there's a lot of questions here that have been left unanswered. And, um, yeah, I mean, I keep on going back to this guy was barely on the injury report. And, you know, Frank Reich said pretty much – prior to a week ago, which the Colts didn't have practice last week. You know, mm-hmm. it's just walkthroughs. He didn't even realize it was anything of significance. You know, he said Ebron had an MRI just before the start of camp. Um, revealed nothing major. He had off-season groin surgery or procedure, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, this is something that clearly he was never limited. He never missed a game in his Colts career. So, yeah, it just – doesn't all the way add up to me, Joey. You know, and again, some people will be like, you're way out of line for going down that road, but I'm going to go down that road. And I think there's some evidence there that makes me go down that road. I'm not just saying it just to say it. I think there is um, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff that there's reason to have some pause with this. And uh, having said that, it's a notable loss. Yeah. You know, we can we've we've said what we've said about Eric Ebron, and I've made it very clear that even well before this, I wouldn't have brought him back in 2020. He commands a presence when he's on the field from an opposing defense, and yeah. I think back to your Steelers against the Colts mm-hmm. earlier this month. Now, obviously, no T.Y. Hilton in that game, but when the Colts got inside the 20 in that game, Pittsburgh threw a double team at Ebron on the Jack Doyle touchdown yep. and on the Chester Rogers touchdown. I've tweeted out the all-22 clips. Like, when you have put up the numbers Ebron put up last year, opposing defense coordinator is going to make sure that they are like, hey, um, let's at least Gotta have a couple guy. hats yep. on 85 because no one else scares you inside the red zone for the Colts. And, again, I know Ebron has had a very inconsistent year. He's on pace for kind of career lows really since his rookie season. A lot of factors have played into that. But, um, you know, what do you do now? Mo Alley-Cox increases role. What yep. an opportunity. Mo Cox, Mo problems. 
your fantasy football name might be uh, making a playoff charge here. Right. I was, uh, you know, looking into the future. Yeah, you you were. You uh, saw the writing on the wall. And then Ross Travis. I think he's been a Kevin's corner favorite back in the day when he was trying to make the 53-man roster. And, you know, I remember having this conversation on this podcast back during training camp. And you, you were you were out there, Joey, mm-hmm. watching Ross Travis in training camp and watching Deion Kane in training camp. They looked at two just totally ends of the spectrum and coming back from their ACL. Yeah, like Kane was spry and bouncing off the turf and never. I don't even think he wore a brace. No, Ross Travis had this big old bulky thing mm-hmm. and he'd kind of make a catch and go to the ground. It'd take him a while to get up and and they were about three weeks separated from their respective ACL injuries. Um, so I think that played into Hale Hinches initially making the roster over Ross Travis, and now we're going to see it. Um, and I guess lastly, before moving on, Joey, I, <laughs> I'd i be stunned, 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 stunned if Eric Ebron played with the Colts. I just I think last year was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. I think that was the outlier. And I think the Eric Ebron we saw this year uh, is kind of the norm. And how he handles adversity, I don't know if you love that. Right. Yeah. I so does a question coming into this year. And I think I think you were out on your honeymoon, Joey, but you know, Ebron maybe after hell, maybe it was that Pittsburgh game. After that Pittsburgh game, he's liking people's tweets about him being a great fit in Carolina and just like ugh, Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh. So We'll see if, you know, a team will take a chance on him. And Doesn't seem like a Chris Ballard, Frank Wright kind of guy. No, no, it doesn't. And and you know what? At the time, I was okay taking a risk on Ebron. I, I, I was fine with it. Um, I'm not going to, like, rip Chris Ballard by any means with that signing because there was a lot of production when you needed it, you know, with your playmaking lacking. But, again, it, the deal was two years for a reason. You knew that probably things were going to add up and – you know, injuries are starting to pile up f- for the Colts, and now you've got to get through them. You know, you've got to do what Houston did with you no know, J.J. Watt or Kansas mm-hmm. City with Tyreek Hill. The Colts have avoided kind of the big IR name outside of Ebron. Um, so now it's time to show your depth here down the stretch. Big topic for the last couple of weeks has been that vertical passing game. Obviously, Eric Ebron not being out there doesn't help that by any means. Right. But what's what's the what's the latest? How do they find it again here in this home stretch of the season? I'm glad you brought up the Ebron point. He averaged 12. Point, I think it's 12.7 a catch, second highest on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know many teams around the league you'd have a tight end that high. You know, which obviously certainly shows more about your lack of wide receiver playmaking, but. Basically, the whole vertical passing game, and, and first I, I do want to start a little bit on, on chunk plays. Chunk plays obviously extend on a larger scale to just the vertical passing game. You know, you can have chunk run plays and all that stuff. And The Colts have made it very clear that they are pleased with where they are at from a chunk play standpoint. They know the passing game needs more, but they feel like in their criteria they've won the chunk play sort of formula much more than they haven't this season. Yeah, take out Houston, take out honestly Kansas City wasn't a game where you won chunk plays and take out the Chargers and they've pretty much won chunk plays in every other game. Yeah. 
and they love to rate it on a very game by game basis, not necessarily look at kind of the league standings, which I get it. You know, game flow dictates a lot of things, and you're just trying to win that game, go one and zero. You know, sorry for the coach mantra there that I had to throw in, but um. I think when we talk specifically about vertical passing game, there's three pieces to the pie chart, Joey. It's Frank Reich, it's Jacoby Brissett, and it's the wideout injuries. Let's first start with Reich. We know full well that, like, from a philosophical standpoint, he was preaching this run emphasis before the year started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I should say, before Andrew Luck called it quits. Right. I mean, well before. I mean, he was saying this at the league meetings. He was saying this back at the Combine. I mean, he's been saying this for a long, long time. Now, I think the personnel quarterback and the personnel at injuries or at, at wideout has contributed to him focusing even more on this run game. And you've been healthy on the offensive line. That's right. the one position group that has been touched. You've been incredibly healthy there throughout this season. So the Colts have ran it the third most of any team in the league. And ideally, you know, they want, you know, 125 rushing yards, 275 passing yards, just that beautiful sort of balance, and they haven't achieved that at all this year. Um, But again, this is Reich philosophy, certainly, and I think the personnel issues has played into his philosophical belief even more. Like, he's emphasizing it even more than I think he thought he would, because... He's all about how do I win each game. And he's not going to publicly say this at all. Mm-hmm. But deep down, he's got to know. My wideout group has been so bad, and my quarterback is not Andrew Luck. So to win a football game, I feel like I've got to play keep away. I feel like I've got to limit other teams' possessions, like those sorts of things, because I just don't trust the vertical passing game very much. I do think there is a... A, a, a chunk of that in Frank Reich's mind. And again, a lot of this is my words. I, I, I Hell, virtually all of it is my words. But I think that's part of it. Secondly, you got to go to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched the all 22 of the Houston game. <sighs> It'll make your eyes bleed, man. Some of the, bad, huh? Some of, the, some of the opportunities missed. Um. There are certainly plays to be made in that game. Is there a dozen? No. Is there five or six? Yes. And when you lose a game like you lost that one, five or six plays, hell, two or three can make a difference. Um, And I think what Frank Reich has mentioned is it's not so much getting the 30 or 40-yard chunks. It's getting the 20-ish yard chunk where, oh, boy, we just skipped two first downs. With that play. Like, yeah, everyone would love, you know, boom, over the top, 50-yarder to Will Fuller in the air, something like that. But it's even Mm -hmm. just, can you get an 18-yarder? Can you get a 22-yarder? And I I just think with Jacoby right now, it's you don't see him throw receivers open. You don't see him give enough 50-50 chances. And this is a year-long issue that I've mentioned several times in this podcast. Um, so I think those are all kind of the big culprits there. And it's where with 
with Jacoby because, you know, 2017, there was a willingness to pump the ball down the field. I mean, he, he was one of the better deep ball passers in the league that year, Yeah, which is shocking to say when you go 4-12, and but that's what the numbers indicate. And so I wonder if it's, again, a little bit of Reich saying – just live with profits. Live with dink and dunk. We 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 don't Can never need go to broke. F- yeah, we don't need to force it down the field. Is that just growing in Jacoby's mind even more of like, hey, now I'm the franchise quarterback. As long as I do what the co- you know I, I don't know if it's that. Um, he's got the arm. Oh yeah. You know, it's not like it's a Chad. No, Penny. we saw it in 2017 in Houston. Right. Over the top to Hilton and the big play to Hilton yards after catch and you know, it's all he's got a Chad Pennington arm right. I mean this guy has got a bigger arm than than Andrew Luck and then lastly certainly the wideout injuries. No one scares you. I mean who the hell scares you in that wideout group? And I know it was one play, but man, Deion Kane again showed on Sunday. What was it, thirty-five yards? Yep, and. PI specialist, he got another about 25, 30 yard pass interference. Uh, that little sucker did. <laughs> so he? technically, he's good for about two catches yards, for 60 yards. 60 yards for Deion Kane. And yeah. hey, we're going to count the PI because the Colts would always count the PI. For sure. Talking about Deion Kane yeah. earlier in the year when he has issues. But that 35 yard pass, go up and make a play. That was not an easy catch. Rudolph. Actually, it was great coverage, to be honest with you. I mean, right, Rudolph yeah. at least gave him right. an opportunity. And Kane just kind of snatched. I mean, that was the 50-50 high point ball. You go win it in the air. No one – I'm sorry, but Pascal and Rodgers and, and, and Doolin and Marcus Sean, those guys just aren't doing that on a consistent basis. So, you know, I'm not acting like Deion Kane would have cured all in 2019 holding on to him because he had opportunities. Mm-hmm. But that was a long-term investment that I think you got rid of too early in my mind. So the numbers are the numbers, Joey. You are dead last in the NFL in plays over 40 yards, mm-hmm. pass plays. The only 40-yarder, Eric Ebron's 46-yarder when Oakland was just taking a break there late in the game when you knew you weren't going to come back and win that game. And they were like, well, he's probably not going to catch it anyway <laughs> from that day. I mean, boy! Just kicking them all these down. Well, I did see a, a tweet under Ian Rappaport's initial tweet that said, tell him to look at his hands while they're at it. <laughs> I was talking about the surgery. I was like, oh, man. That's harsh. Cold. That is harsh. Um, Jacoby Brissett holds on to the ball the sixth longest of any quarterback in the league. I kind of found that interesting. It's not like he's getting rid of it super, super quick. Right, yeah. But... Again, just the reluctancy to go down the field. His average completed yards in the air, 4.6. The only two quarterbacks worse in the NFL than that. The man that just got benched for your Steelers on Uh Sunday. uh And one Joshua Rosen. Not Not great great. company. Not great. Not great company. Um, And lastly, before we move on to Twitter questions. We can rip on the personnel at wideout injuries and probably can contribute to that to being a big, big reason. But let's not forget the wide receivers Andrew Luck threw to last year. Hilton, banged up Hilton. Chester, Ryan Grant, Dontrell Inman, Zach Paschal. 
I mean, I don't think you're acting like any of those guys are number two. Oh, my gosh, that's a number two. That's Will Fuller. Right. Like, no, no, no. That's that's a very pedestrian group. And Wright did point out after the game on Thursday, if you're going to run for 175, how are you not hitting four or five chunks in the passing game? Like, that is an absolute must. And some of the stats are just crazy. Um, I'll end with this. In the last two years, the Colts are the only team in the NFL to have lost a road game in which they ran for 175 and won the turnover battle. <sighs> NFL teams are 21-0 and in those games. The Colts are 0-2. Houston, Chargers. You win the turnover battle. If you produce on the ground, you're supposed to win football games, especially away from home. And the fact that your passing game is giving you nothing, nothing of substance, is why the Colts need help to make the playoffs. All right, man, let's do a uh, Thanksgiving Twitter question round. I love it. All right. Per usual, let's start with Cody Felger. Always seems to get in uh, pretty quickly Cody. here. Yeah, he wants to know bigger need: quarterback or wide receiver. Oh boy, uh, that's some hot coffee here on this Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Quarterback, it's the most important position on the team. You know? Wow, it is right. I mean, I mean, it definitely is. But I don't know, man. I just think, I think that um, elite quarterbacks can make average wide receivers look okay good I, I just read off the Andrew Luck wideouts from last year Andrew Luck threw for 4,500 yards and nearly 40 touchdowns with that group so um quarterback can control more you can have elite wideouts and if you have an average quarterback you still aren't 100 percent sold that it'll definitely work mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of my thinking there from Drew, he says, is talking about what you hit on off the top with. Oh, uh, uh, we go in Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Says, right. Ballard personally attending the Utah State game, presumably scouting Jordan Love. What does this mean? Is he covering all of his bases, or is he potentially thinking about taking a quarterback with the first round pick or the second round pick? You know what I love, Joey, is um, <laughs> I had a Boise State. So it was Utah State, I think, hosting Boise. That was the game. I had a Boise State fan account tweet at me. You know, he was probably also there to watch Curtis Weaver, our defensive end, who's one of the best sack sack guys in the nation. I'm like, okay, yes, I'm sure he loves to kill two birds with one stone, but if your GM is going to fly across the country in the middle of November, I think he's going to go to make sure he's watching the quarterback more than anything. So, right. um, you know, I haven't kept an, an exact sheet of – where Ballard has gone this offseason, but if I'm not mistaken, Joey, I want to say the only games he's been to are Ohio State and Notre Dame games, a.k.a. easy drives with a lot of NFL talent. And obviously when those teams are playing, like Virginia, he was at the Notre Dame-Virginia game, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get on a plane and go to Utah State is significant. It's notable. And it's also what he should be doing. Right. Like this is – smart, due diligence, background, in-person check, whatever you want to call it. This is exactly what Chris Ballard needs to be doing. I have no issue with it whatsoever. I think it's exactly how he should operate right now. 
I've said it all along. Take off the rose-colored glasses. You can love Jacoby Brissett. You can be so proud of him and how he stepped into this situation. I think he has handled it very, very well. And his toughness and all of that you absolutely love in the locker room. And he could, will be the week one starter in 2020. But in today's NFL, we're seeing bridge quarterbacks more and more. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's what you're trying to find out. Is there another guy out there? that you feel like has a higher ceiling than the one in your own building. That's what you're finding out. And that means you would bring him in, a.k.a. possibly Jordan Love, and you develop, because there is a lot of rawness with Jordan Love. I don't know how much our listeners know about him. Yeah, um, He's a name the Colts have been intrigued by for quite a while. This is not out of the blue. This is a name we've, we, we've heard about for quite some time. If you watch him, Joey, I think when you see his body – it's a skinnier Deshaun Kaiser. Ew. Well, body. So let's just start yeah. body. I'm okay. not saying like right. as a thrower. Right. Trust me, Kaiser's got a weird release. Love makes some throws that are just oof, yeah, really good. Um, honestly, a little bit of Colin Kaepernick body, like mm. tall, lanky. You feel like if he would go learn to throw a baseball, he could throw it 98. Yeah. You know, one of those bodies. Athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, now he doesn't run it a whole lot with Utah State, but there are some. When he does run it, you're like, all right, this guy can make plays with his legs if need be. Now, his numbers this year are terrible. Like, I think more picks than touchdowns when they played LSU, when they played Wake Forest. Hell, when they played Boise, um, I want to say it's like four touchdowns and seven picks. And and that's going to be the hardest part about this evaluation. Two years ago, he throws 32 touchdowns and six picks. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're at schools like Utah State, when you lose a little bit of talent, does it all go? Uh, it's you know it's Josh Allen with Wyoming. You know it, it's those sorts of things that you're having to sift through. But I mean, putting my Mel Kiper hat on, this is a natural thrower. That yeah, I feel like I'm on the NFL set right now on, in late April. He's got a live arm. Nice. Ball just flies out of there. There you go. And he can make some throws, fit balls into windows that um, they can't really teach. So. Uh, again, I am a big, big fan of Chris Ballard doing this, and we'll see where Jordan Love falls in the quarterback rankings. You know, I think most kind of early draft pundits have him in like the three to four range of quarterbacks. Uh, to an injury will be something to obviously monitor now moving forward. But um, yeah, good on Chris Ballard spending his off weekend going to going to Utah State and um. Yeah, this is, boy, it's going to be a really interesting next six months. From Robbie, I'm a little surprised they haven't made a move to add Funches to the roster yet. Is he close to playing, and who do they cut to bring him back? No open roster spots right now, um, so they're going to have to make a move to bring him back. Um, you know, I asked Frank Reich yesterday about this. He said they're still monitoring. They, um, The bone's got to heal, man. And if I, I'm really, I'm pretty sure I should have double-checked this before we started recording. I think the Colts have until next Wednesday to call him up, December 4th. You have a 21-day window once that guy gets on the practice field before you have to make a decision. Either bring him up to the 53-man roster or put him on IR for good. November 13th was um, was Funches' first day 
back to practice. So 21 days from then would be December 4th. So the Colts technically don't have to call him up. Now, you would think the doctors, the medical staff would have looked at it and been like, okay, um, we think the bone will heal within this 21-day period or else you're kind of shit out of luck. Like It's like, all right, that was a waste. Um, So I assume he'll be called up before next Wednesday. But again, I don't think it's a slam dunk that happens this week. Who would they cut? Who would they cut? God, I can't believe is Chad Kelly still on the fifty-three man roster. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, probably Swag, right? That makes sense. I mean, don't need Dunning a third three, quarterback, yeah. you know. Taking up a roster spot, no. Yeah. Uh, from fourth down, Frank wants to know what was Reich thinking watching Baltimore last night. At one point, four touchdowns on fifteen attempts, finishing over eight yards per attempt, almost two hundred yards passing, and over one hundred fifty yards from running backs close to how Frank wants to do things <laughs> well uh Jacoby Brissett is not Lamar Jackson I mean Baltimore's such an outlier how can you look at Baltimore and be like man gotta be doing what they're doing <laughs> no one's Lamar so I haven't watched obviously with my job I watch a decent amount of like Colts opponents but they don't play Baltimore so I haven't really watched much of them I watched them last night I forgot Lamar Jackson was that fast. And I know that sounds like the most like elementary thing to say, but he's the fastest player on the field. Yep. And Baltimore has no regard for his body. I mean, they run him like Louisville ran him. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch an NFL team do that. It really is. Um I, I, I understand the question, but like no one can compare themselves to Baltimore. They do things so differently from an offensive mindset. Yes, they create chunk plays like the Colts would love to create chunk plays, but their quarterback's feet don't move like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson puts so much stress on a defense, it opens things up for other. But this goes back to kind of what I'm saying about evaluate quarterbacks. I mean, Baltimore took Lamar Jackson very late in the Didn't they already pass on him once? Because they traded... Think, I think they yeah. traded back down or something. Yeah, and, with the last pick of the first round. But this goes back to what I've constantly said. Kansas City, Houston, Baltimore. All three of those teams, Joey, were playoff caliber teams with the quarterback situations that they had in 2017 and 2018, and they didn't let that stop them. You're always looking to upgrade. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the position is. You're always looking to upgrade. That's why Chris Ballard was in whatever Utah. It's not Provo, Utah. That's where BYU is. I know my brother is probably yelling where Utah State's campus is right now. Let's look it up. It's got to be some small town. The Aggies. I know they're the Aggies. You know their offensive coordinator is Mike Sanford, who was Lux OC for a little while at Stanford. Really? Kind of an interesting little little storyline there. Utah State location. It's going to tell me Utah. Hey, no. It's uh, some Logan, Utah. Logan. I knew it was like a five or six letter word. Logan, Utah, the pride of the Aggies. Jordan Love's got a great story. Um, Red is um, very sad. His father committed suicide, um, I believe, when he was incredibly young. I think like he had just dropped Jordan off at a grade school basketball game. Very quiet guy, it sounds like, Jordan Love. Um, yeah, so... We'll learn a lot more about him here in the next five or six months, and we'll see if he, uh, you know, he's a popular name, though, like in the NFL circles. The oh, Colts yeah. aren't the only ones right. that, are, that are intrigued by it.
Uh, from Stan Cal, thoughts and reflections on the current and near future state of the other teams of the AFC South. Stan, good to hear from you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our Twitter question ease-ers, whatever you say it. Um, I mean, you still like Houston. I know they've mortgaged a lot of draft capital and they're getting older, but <laughs> uh, Deshaun Watson can play football pretty well. Tennessee obviously has the quarterback. So are they are they going to franchise Ryan Tannehill? Like, is Tannehill their guy? Wow. Well, it looks like it since they threw him in there. But then you have those rumors of Phillip Rivers apparently oh would like gosh, to play I there. Do you want to go with somebody who's that old? I freaking love Phillip Rivers. <laughs> That'd be awesome if he came to the AFC South. It just, I just seems fitting. I just love watching him play. It's so, uh, God, it makes you want to cry, laugh, scream, yell. I tweeted on Saturday, man. Nothing makes gives me more anxiety than a bouncing football. Like fumbles and the ball starts to bounce. Yeah. Do you yell at the TV? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm yelling, ball, ball. Yeah. It's a fumble. I mean, I am yell. I mean, I don't care if it's, you know, Morgan State versus Grambling or if it's Notre Dame versus USC. I'm yelling ball on the. T- nothing that gives me more anxiety than a bouncing ball. Um, all right, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, they got to find I, – I like Vrabel, though. I do like Vrabel. Jacksonville. He was interviewed here, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have been him or, uh, him or McDaniels early on. Um, Jacksonville. No. I can't go there. I mean, Jacksonville lost a lot with Ramsey. Now, they have the draft capital, of course. Very, very different. Obviously, Stan, great question per usual. Very different sorts of situations. What would I want? Boy. <sighs> I probably want Watson. I know the draft capital isn't there, but I probably want Watson. Yeah. But I, I could I could be talked into any of those situations. Not Jacksonville, right? But they do have the draft capital, right? Yeah. No? Nah. You don't like They're it. They're one hit wonder and they hit and missed. Yeah. And now that I think about it, like the marquee, like is Telvin Smith coming back and playing football? Clayus Campbell's got to drop off at some point. But dude, they got Ngakwe, they got Allen, Fournette. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's not as bad as some, like, if you're going to tell me, okay, look at these other divisions and evaluate the four teams, one of the teams you're always going to be like, F that. Like, that's yeah. terrible. I don't think you look at that as anybody in the AFC South. Yeah, that's To that true. degree. To that, yeah, it's not Cincinnati. It's right. not Miami. Sure. Nobody. God, the Colts are cheering for the Bengals to beat the Steelers. That's the reality of their situation yeah. right now. Uh, from Scott, can you help us understand why we all have the extra money? Is it entirely so we can extend current guys, next year's free agency? Wish I better understood the short-term, long-term approach, especially given how long rookie contracts are for. Yeah, so, yes, certainly, Scott. Great question, and it is to extend your current guys. Uh, off the top of my head, Joey, and if I forget anybody, feel free to chime in. Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo on offense. Those guys need extensions. That's soon. That's not even talking Nelson in a couple right, of years. Right, yeah. Um And some of the guys sooner than others. Yeah. But those are the names. On defense, I don't think anyone is, like, immediately pressing, but – um, Anthony Walker, a second contract. Darius Leonard, of course, a second. I mean, Darius Leonard next year will be year three of a four-year rookie deal. So, right, you know, you'd think you'd extend him, not this summer, but the next summer. Um, Hooker, 
So, yeah, I, a lot of it is just extending your own. And, you know, a bigger reason why you, you have all this cap space, too, is, and you had it even when Andrew Luck was here, but now you have it even more. You're you're paying your quarterback very run-of-the-mill money compared to what other teams are are paying their QBs. From Andrew Fisher, he wants to know our favorite Thanksgiving sides. Also, any Thanksgiving Day backyard football traditions at the Bowen and Mol- Molinardo households? Oh, okay. Andrew, great question. Um, Yeah, oh, yeah, the pigskin was always out of the Bowen household. One thing about the Bowen family is I only got three cousins on okay. both sides. So we aren't getting a big old, like, yeah. you know, Uncle Doug's over here and Uncle Mark's on this side and all right, you know. Kids crying because cousin Taylor's got me in a chokehold. You know, it's not necessarily that, yeah. but I mean, certainly fall football games with, you know, Bruce Bowen's putting the pile of leaves in, into one big pile and mm-hmm. Kevin's catching a fade pattern and jumping into them. Um, how about you guys? Uh, favorite Thanksgiving side. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving side? So, you know me, I, I, I'm one of the top three worst eaters you'll ever find. Oh, you're a picky guy. Just give me mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Okay. No, that's fair. You go to that? Yeah. Yeah. I do like stuffing. Stuffing is good. Yeah. You like stuffing as you get older. It's not a young I would agree. It's not a kid thing. Yeah. I think when I was younger I was like, that's a lot of colors that just don't really add up to me. And no. uh I think the I think the Cowboys came just came back on, <laughs> on the couch. Right. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Like, I like those sides. Those are good for me. And uh no, nah, we actually have the opposite. My grandpa always tries to turn on the uh dog show. On NBC. During football? Yeah. Yeah. He always tries to finagle the remote and throw that on there. He's not a football fan at all, somehow. So That wouldn't be flying with me, Grandpa. No, it usually doesn't, but he always just tries to do it to, you know, be a jag off, and sometimes he succeeds. Wow. Um, So that's what I'll be battling on Thursday. Yeah, good luck. Jeez. (laughs) Um, I also like Derby Pie. Derby pie. So it's like basically like chocolate chip, basically like a a, a cookie pie. Okay. Uh, Ryan Bowen, it, he's made it the past few years, I think, for the Bowen family. Colleen is a staple of hers. And Maddie Bowen has actually taken the recipe and done a wonderful job with it as well. Um, God, I can just taste it right now. I'm not a big pumpkin pie. Oof. Love some pumpkin pie. Let's be honest. The Thanksgiving meal sucks. What do you mean? When else do you eat turkey? That's kind of the point, right? But, like, it's not something you really, truly enjoy eating. Well, it just depends on how good the turkey is. Is like it you have fried? To have, is it dry? Is it... But even outside of turkey, like, you have to make eight sides just to appease everyone there because, you know, okay, there's two or three sides I'd actually like. Thanksgiving meal, I think, is very overrated. Wow. Is that a hot take? I can't decide what's, you know, you saying that... Uh, the quarterback's a bigger need or the Thanksgiving <laughs> Thanksgiving meals uh overrated. It's our only podcast of the week. You gotta come that's, with some juice. Yeah, that's true. Um Queez? I'm not sure how to uh yeah, I'll, I'll go with Queese. Jordan Love in the second round. Is he gonna fall that far? Thirty fourth pick. Right now. I don't know if he falls that far. Yeah, not not anymore. Is Tua falling? Will he fall? Like, are people worried about this injury, this hip injury? I don't know. I guess it just depends on, like, I mean, what if, he can do. If Burrow goes one, what's who's the next quarterback? Is it Tua, Love, or Eason? Yeah. Like, don't Does Fromm se- come out? Right. I mean, don't tell like me you're rounders? waiting till 25 for the next quarterback to go. Like, right. there's no way. I I think if you want Jordan Love, you got to be 
inching on up. From Lucas Robbins, with Ebron no longer a part of the offense for the rest of the season, who will play his role in the offense? Jack Doyle, Moali Cox, Ross Travis, or Devin Funches? Great, great question, because obviously Ebron wasn't playing a lot of snaps, Joey, but as I mentioned earlier, when he's on the field, there's a reason he's on the field. Like, it's a very specific, we're probably going to throw the ball, he can beat man coverage, and he commands a lot of attention from an opposing defense. So, when I think of Mo Alley-Cox, I think of him more in the Jack Doyle mode. He can catch it, certainly, but I think of him kind of as that hybrid blocker mm-hmm. and receiver. Ross Travis is the guy that I think of as more of the Ebron. You know, I think when we were making a depth chart back in the spring, it was kind of like Mo Alley-Cox behind Doyle, Ross Travis behind Ebron. Those are the skill sets. Right. Um, if Ross Travis is healthy, I think he's going to play a role now, I think early on it'll probably be more of Mo Alley Cox, you know, kind of ease Travis back into things. But uh, I mean, again, it, it, as long as Travis is healthy, this team needs some playmaking. And six, seven former basketball player go up and get it. He's more of a natural wideout with length than I think Alley Cox or even Doyle. And I'm talking vertical game. I'm talking throw some 50 50 balls, yeah. red zone, not third and six. Make a little sticker out, boom. What number is he going to wear? Is he going to be 47, 43? He was 43 last time. I think 43 is, I mean, who the hell wants 43? You know? Such a weird tight end number. really is. But, yeah, I think it'll be 43. Okay. Can't think of anybody that's worn it this year. From Michael Speaker, with the offensive woes at the at times, who in your mind do you feel is the offensive MVP on this team? And you can't say Nelson. Offensive MVP? Yeah. Mac. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Mac or Costanzo? Oh, another offensive lineman. Right. Yeah, I mean, I. who else? Can you go with anyone? I can't. I don't. Again, when I hear most valuable player, I don't exactly take the acronym for what it's for. Mm-hmm. I think your best player. That's yeah. how I kind of interpret it. And But I think that you could make the argument for that it is what the acronym is for Mac. Yeah, I. I guess not. I mean, that's tough saying with Jonathan Williams doing what he did on Thursday night, but. See, I think you lost Thursday night not because of Marlon Mack not in the lineup, you know? Yeah. And I mean, Hilton is probably your most valuable, Joey, but like, he hasn't had a 100 yard game and it's approaching a year, which sounds crazy to say, Mm -hmm. but it's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, the drought. When healthy, it's like 10 games, I want to say. But from a value standpoint, I mean, he's pretty damn valuable. Dalton wants to know, do we re-sign Ebron? No, no, I can't see it. Um, doesn't Ebron want a multi-year deal? This is the prove-it year, right? right. This is the prove-it deal, yeah. right? I I just can't. Um, he's got to get somebody to go take another risk, chance on him like the Colts did. Right. Now, having said that, tight end becomes a need. And Ross Travis and Mo Ali Cox are going to get a five-week audition to try and lessen that need. Yeah. Great opportunity for them. Um, so, yeah. All right, from Victor. Is there some possibility that Brissett is even more hesitant than usual to throw downfield because of some knee pain? Do you think Reich takes that injury into account in his play calling? You know, Reich mentioned the hesitancy with Brissett and play calling via knee injury was more so on, like, boots you know, and kind of get him out in space and make him throws on the run. Less to do with kind of vertical. Now, he did mention T.Y. Hilton on the pitch count. 
Uh, there was a there was a hesitancy to intentionally run a lot of vertical routes with Ty. I just didn't want to put a lot of wear and tear yeah. on that calf. But um, I don't think it's that much of a you're scared to run. You're scared to throw it deep because um, Brissett's a little banged up. From Wyatt says that Andrew Luck's retirement presser owner Jim Irsay spoke of returns by Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. He also <laughs> talked about Andrew needing to quote figure stuff out. End quote. I think Ursay came away from his talks with Andrew believing Luck might unretire. If so, then what does Ballard do? You know, um, it's been a while since we had one of these questions. How often is he in the facility, by the way? Do you know? He's definitely been in it multiple times. I would say, and I'm guessing here, I'd say around a handful of times since he retired. And you know, some of that I'm sure is like paperwork, you know, BS of yeah. like, hey man, you need my a, pension. You need a sign that you don't go to the XFL or you right. know, whatever. <laughs> um, now he's a new father, two weeks old. Lucy Luck's two weeks old. Yeah. Happy birthday to Lucy Luck. Awesome. Two week old. Um, don't know if they call it a birthday. I feel like every every week's like a milestone birthday for a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey, that's a question that we've bounced off each other. And I've said it before, if Brissett leads you to the playoffs, I don't think Ballard or Reich would be able in their conscience to just bring Luck back. I don't. I just, which I know it sounds crazy right now because I think more so than any other time this year, the Brissett, the anti-Brissett train has its most people. I was going to say, we could just... (laughs) We could do a whole series on that question and the scenarios that would fall out from we that. We could talk about it for an hour. We yeah. could talk about it for an hour. Um, I don't want to talk about it for an hour. No, I want to no, talk no. about it for 30 more seconds. <laughs> I wish I had a great answer. I wish I had, like, strong conviction in my answer. Boy, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think Ballard would bring him back. But, man, that had to be a long conversation. Such a long combo. And you would have to be unsold on the 2020 quarterbacks mm-hmm. as well to to go down that route. Right. Have you seen A League of Their Own? Yeah. You remember at the end when Gina Davis, Dottie, the catcher, mm-hmm. you know, she, she leaves and Tom Hanks is pissed and she's not there for the World Series and she all of a sudden comes back for Game 7. Right. And Tom Hanks is like a little torn. He's a little torn. You know, he says some some to the effect of, "Oh, we got Betty Spaghetti back there. She's been doing pretty good." And then Gina Davis is like, "All right, fine, I won't play." And he's like, "Well, you're already dressed." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that might be what the conversation. You know, Valerie be like, "Yeah, Jacoby's look pretty good." <laughs> and then Luck would just be like, "All right, see ya." And then he'd be like, "Well, I I mean, let's not get too crazy." And here. Luck like leaves like his highlight tape on the. On the table, like, oh, okay. Here Would definitely go. be a tape because yeah. he's not going to yeah. be on YouTube Here, or anything. Yeah, here's my VHS. Right. So um, I, I feel like that might be how it would go down. And then, like, the Colts players would do, like, the Rudy theme of, like, bringing in their jerseys and putting For it on percent. the Yeah, putting it on the desk. But if he's that's, – that's another thing I talked about with some of my buddies is, like, if he's in the complex like that – like This, this has, has gone be, a lot longer than 30 seconds. I'm sorry. Though. That has to be, like, a weird <laughs> dynamic, though, right? I mean, that's – I mean, I don't think he's, like – Hey, you guys have an extra seat in the quarterback meeting room today? Like, I think it's a very off day, quick workout, bye week. I mean, I don't think he's in there really at all. 
Monday through Friday, yeah, prime hours. I think, I think he knows, and I'm pretty sure he lives very close to the complex. So it's just kind of an easy workout facility where Andrew Luck's not swiping his card at Lifetime. Right, times to be bothered by a whole bunch of different people. But again, I, it's such a great question, Wyatt. I'm sorry. Ask it again in five weeks. Right. All right. This is from uh, Derek. Says, hey Kevin, weekly listener from Ireland. Nice. Love the show. Would love to know a percentage breakdown of spreading the blame on the underperforming passing game. Example, 30% goes to Jacoby, 40 mm. on play calling, etc. That's good. Forty percent percent thirty thirty five percent receivers. 35%. No, that's too much percentage. 40% 35% receiver injuries, 25% Reich. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of how. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about like 20-yard chunks, Joey. We're talking 15, excuse me, like 40-yard chunks. We're talking 15 to 20-yard chunks. The Colts have had one pass play in the last two weeks over 18 yards. One. That was a Jonathan Williams screen behind the line of scrimmage. Like, there's... You know? Yeah. Deion Kane's 35-yarder in Pittsburgh. That would be the longest play this team's had since... Hell, like, I think besides the Ebron. Ebron. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's just... It's... it's. Uh, Man, I had no idea who it was at first. When, when he caught that ball, I was like... Yeah. Oh my God! It's him. Oh man, it <laughs> really was that. It was crazy. When, uh, when you when you texted me and I and I saw the highlight, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah. I forgot. It's been a while since I've seen it. Him and do that, and that's what he did at training camp. Right. People want to know what he was doing at training camp. It that. was those plays. A lot of that mossing people. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Uh, how about this from Darth Vader, uh, John Albertson. The right tackle, Braden Smith, seems to be struggling a bit. Last year, his rookie season was overshadowed by Big Q's play. Was last season a fluke, or do you think he's having technical, mechanical issues? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of ladder, um, and that's why I've said many times you need to find the swing tackle relatively high in the draft. You need to have another option over there. That's not Joe Haig. I like mm-hmm. Joe Haig a lot. I'd bring back Joe Haig as your eighth lineman, but as your sixth lineman, Go spend a top four round pick on a right tackle, right guard, potentially can grow into a left tackle now that I think about it, with Costanzo getting up there in age. But you need to invest, I think, some nice draft capital. Um, I I don't necessarily be like, Braden Smith needs to be benched. Like, like that's not your options aren't great. Yeah. Um but it's time to time to get back into the old O line drafting theory a little bit higher than the seventh round of last year. Frank wants to know, did Ebron quit on the Colts? Not judging. Teams always make business moves. This seems like one from EE, though. Frank, that's who asked that? Yep. You know, Joey, I think Frank brings up a good point. Should we, like, should we be mad? Like, should we call out Vontae Davis for how he handled things? Mm. That was a business decision. What's that? Yeah. Is that that much different than... Chris Ballard cutting Jonathan Hankins a year into his contract. I know I know it's different business decisions because, like, in the Ebron case to the Vontae Davis case, we think the player has quit. 
Whereas in the Ballard case, it's like, oh, no, you're just trying to get your team better. You know? It's like... I guess the same thing could be go for, like, any sort of business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't think if any sort of person quits their job... Now, Ebron doesn't have a ready-made job waiting for him. It's not like he quit a job to go become the New England Patriots tight end for the end of the year. Right. I don't know. It's... it's. I I kind of go back to um to what I said about Luck, Joey, when he retired. Andrew Luck was no longer willing to make the sacrifices to continue to play the game of football. And if you want to be an elite athlete known as one of the greatest to play, you have to make sacrifices. There is a gladiator aspect, especially to football. And, again, that probably involves taking some medicine and shooting up a little bit that you don't necessarily want to do. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it. Like, that's why I think we l- admire those types of athletes. And so I think a little bit of it is in play here with Ebron of, like, could you have rested one to two weeks? And we go back to the right comment from earlier. The Colts aren't in a numbers crunch. Mm-hmm. They could have Eric Ebron inactive and be A-OK. And it just seems like Ebron wasn't willing to do that. From our guy Joe Ben Cook, he wants to know, what are the chances Jacoby will be evaluated objectively? If the season ended today, what do you think happens based off his body of work thus far? Joe, really, really good question. It's a mm-hmm. question I've asked myself many times. Yeah, And I will say this. Me waking up on Sunday morning and realizing Chris Bauer is at Utah State makes me think that he's going to be he's going to be evaluated pretty pretty yeah fine yeah. tooth comb critique him up and down For and sure. you're getting a physical and the doctor's not hiding at all mm-hmm. in terms of the body parts he's checking so um, yeah I think uh, I think it will be critically evaluated. But there's still like an ounce of me that's like, do they love him too much? And can they find the same leader? Right. Leadership means a lot. A lot to the Colts. We can all watch Jordan Love throw the football, but, you know. If he's a nonverbal guy at a position that's pretty important with that. You know, how does that. How does that? And I have no idea Jordan Love's leadership. Like, you know, it's something that we For need to sure. look into. Yeah. And, and you know, Jordan Love hasn't been thrown into many moments. I mean, sorry, but he plays for Utah State. Like, Right. Big jump there. Big jump from what Deshaun Watson put on his college resume. Uh, from Adrian, with what Ebron has done this one and a half year, does he have another contract? Does, there, does he deserve another contract? Uh, not an indie, no. I mean, if you're going to preach consistency, um, then, then then I think no. Um, so yeah, I think no. This is from the truth. He says, "Is it time to say JB is only a bridge quarterback and not a franchise?" You know, I I lean towards that, and again, I fall in the line of if I'm a GM, I'm trying to find that top ten individual quarterback, and I just don't think Jacoby Brissett falls into that. From Cody, with Ebron on IR, is that more likely to expand or close the playbook? To clarify, it seemed like he caused the coaches to mold their play calling around him to make him happy sometimes. Nah, I wouldn't go there. I think they molded their play calling around him because he was he is a unique talent, um, and the Colts don't have many of those in the pass-catching department. So 
I, I, I don't think – I think they will try to continue to use some of those plays. Again, maybe with Travis or Moali Cox or trying to force maybe a little bit of a square peg into that hole. But, no, I don't think they were forcing their playbook around Eric Ebron. Jonathan wants to know, is this one of the strangest Colts season you can remember? Oh, without a doubt. But I also think this, Joey, like, what NFL team doesn't have a strange season? Yeah. Look at you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. you've had everything from A.B. to Le'Veon to, oh my gosh, are they trading for Le'Veon at the deadline? Like, Roethlisberger goes down and... Uh, sure I'm forgetting 10 other storylines that'd be notable but yes it's it's weird I mean obviously your franchise quarterback retires two weeks before the start of the season bingo that's that's super weird but you know all teams have really weird stuff that happened I mean hell the Texans had their quarterback get on a bleeping bus last year yeah. and drive to a game like what what season's been weirder 2011 or this one Manning goes down with surgery. This one. You know, you whether the Colts wanted to admit it or not, they knew Manning wasn't going to play in mm. 2011. You didn't know Luck wasn't going to play until freaking two weeks before the start of the season. And then it was just like, all right, Kerry Collins and Curtis Painter and Dan Orlovsky yeah. and just, yeah. Dan O. It's a good question, though. All right, a few more from the email here. Colin, last year's draft really focused on the defense in the early rounds with the exception of Paris. Does that flip? To the offense this year, I think Indy needs to add a D lineman, then focus on O-line depth, tight end, possibly add another wide receiver, as well as add a quarterback. Pretty much everybody, your thoughts? Yeah, I would say offense does deserve a little bit more attention. I'm not going to totally write off defense, but I would say offense needs some needs some help, for sure. Mitch wants to know, is Devin Funches alive? Alive, but still needs to you know get that bone to heal, and that's got to come here in the next eight days. Travis says, curious, do you think this IR move by Ebron was a contract issue? He had to talk with the coach, voice his conversation, his frustration with Reich to the media, despite more playing time and not impressing, seems creating narrative for offseason um, that his numbers were down because of coaches and injuries. Travis, I, I don't rule that out. I think there's a lot of factors that have played into yeah. this Ebron thing. goes back to all the questions I have, and I think his disappointment in not getting a contract extension in the offseason Probably contributed to a bit of this. Scotty says, or he wants to know, if I say Ebron sees the writing on the wall for his chances to come back to the Colts next year, and our chances to actually make the playoffs are pretty low, that's why he's saying he can't play now. Am I being too much of a conspiracy theorist? Um, Maybe a little bit. I don't think that's one of like the top factors, but I'm sure it is on that factor list. And then lastly from Colin, Nope, already did that one. Cool. Yep, already did that one. That was so, a lot. That was. We covered a lot. Full, meaty podcast this full is. of questions that you can you know have for your Thanksgiving break. But let's finish, Kevin, uh, since this is going to be our only one of the week with the holiday. Uh, the Titans coming into Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. It is a whiteout. What are the keys for the Colts to win and get back on track? Yeah, obviously a huge game. Uh, but let's start with no, no chunks for Derrick Henry. You know, we saw it on Sunday. Hopefully you had Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette on your fantasy team. Um, those two went off. And, you know, Henry, it's crazy, Joey. I looked it up this week. He was averaging nearly six yards per carry against the Colts. Really? That's a high, high number. Yeah. And I feel like the Colts have kind of kept him away from some of the chunk plays. But I think that's key number one. 
Key number two is the red zone dilemma. The Titans, the Tennessee Titans, are the number one goal-to-go team in the NFL. So that's 10 yards and in. Can't believe that. And the number one red zone offense in the NFL. Yeah, they pound it. I, but still, I mean, just like. But then they don't have a lot of like you, you don't think of like a tight end threat. Or no, Delaney Walker's receiver. been banged up. Right. You've changed your quarterback during the year, so the Colts have been great in both those areas. They're the number one goal to go defense. They're eighth in red zone, so I think the red zone will be huge on Sunday. And then lastly, where is the air attack? Sounds like maybe Paris Campbell could get back. Devin Funches, we don't know. You assume an increased pitch count for T.Y. Hilton. Can you find? Can you tap into any of that? Because uh, I, I was looking back on that first meeting, the Colts had, um, I think the Colts only had like one completion, maybe of over twenty yards against the Titans, back in that first meeting. Maybe they didn't have any. Now that I think about it, um, so obviously the chunk play issue has been something that mm-hmm. it's been a problem because. If you remember about that first meeting, Jordan Wilkins, that 55-yarder, midway through the fourth quarter, you were down. You know, it was kind of like, oh, God, is this 0-2? Vinatieri's missed a couple extra points. and Yeah. Now I've got Taylor Lewan back. Jeffrey Simmons, their first-round pick, is playing as well. So um, you can see why Tennessee has gotten better. And they're 6-5. and five. The Colts are 6-5. and five. I'm going to go Colts 2017-2017. I think the health improves at wideout. I think having the mini bye week is better than coming off a little bit of a shorter rest in Tennessee. And the Colts, we've seen them get off the canvas before this season. Mm-hmm. So I will go with Colts, which I think the spread's like right around three and a half, twenty to seventeen. All right, man. Should be a fun one. Um, anything else we need to know for the break? No, we're gonna come back on Monday. We'll stick to or we'll get back to Monday, Thursday next week for our podcast schedule. Um, in all seriousness, a very, very happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there that listens to this podcast. It means a lot to Joey and I. Enjoy the time with your family on Thursday. Hopefully you're watching football and not the dog show. Um, safe travels for sure as well. And um, we'll be back on Monday recapping Colts and Titans. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.